Say it to me outside the ground, you four-eyed Welcome to the Rongan. South Africa's troubles aren't over. Mark Wood claims some polls and Stuart Broad has a bit of biff with the bat. Cut away. Cut away for four. Carlos Brathwaite. Remember the name. And my goodness, it's gone way down to Swansea. Tony finishes off in style. I was sat in the cabinet room and I was like hosting me on meeting. The big man, the fridge is open. He's flawed like a gazelle. What can Chris Gale do? He goes long. Oh, you're right. You've got a man beside you. He's got it. England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. Hello, everybody. My name's Bertie Moores. I'm Ollie Gordon. I'm Max Barry. Bit of a bee in your bonnet this morning, Bertie? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what came over me to be so uh, expletive-ridden in the introduction. I mean, it's 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 not like me. I'm not all potty mouth moors. None of that. Thoroughly PG, 12A at best. You are a northerner, though, so it does yeah, sort of come I, over you. I've got to work with this prejudice within this studio and, and so on, but you, you, you've got to fight that fight. Yeah, fair enough, and you're, and you're doing well to uh, battle the demons, so... Crack on. But yeah, and the real demons at the moment are currently, uh, by the sounds of it, middle-aged Englishmen shouting at their best players. Was it an Englishman? Well, I'm we, not, not entirely sure. There were accusations that uh, that Ben Stokes' expletive-ridden uh, rant or sentence, which uh, undoubtedly the papers have just picked up on, because, I mean, you've got to fill column inches. You've got to have something about how this is denigrating society. But This is very meta. We've got the media slacking off the media here. Well, I mean, I'm not the media because I currently just live at home and work for my dad. Whereas you two, you are the media. You're the man. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Are we starting this podcast? Or... Yeah, we are. But Max Perry, have you ever called someone a... Good strike. Uh, yeah, I've just been chatting to my dad. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, uh, yeah, it's, I'll be honest. I, I really just don't give a shot about what Ben Stokes... I mean, calling someone a... Big ball. Presumably he was a... Big ball. Not to want to continually say such a horrible phrase. What you don't um, realise, Max, is that I have to bleep out all these so then I don't have to put expletive on the podcast. So you're making my work so much easier. You cricket shot. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I just... I, does anyone really care? Like, I know he's a role model, allegedly, but, like, you know, he's a person... Someone wound him up. We don't know what was said to him. Do we know what was said to him? Well, well, yeah, well it was, we it was do, a... he was likened to a world-famous musician, uh, genre-hopping uh, superstar, Ed Sheeran, who uh, <laughs> he, I think he was compared along the uh, lines of his, uh, of his ginger auburn hair. I mean, he's been likened to a world-famous musician, <clears throat> so no, some I, benefit to be taken to I, it, even if you think that he dips his toe into genres and claims them as his own, but that's an entirely different debate. That might be Stokes' view. I agree with Max to an extent in that who, who cares, I suppose, he... Like, does it matter that he's sworn or playing sport? I'm sure footballers do it all the time, etc. But as a cricketer, you surely he know like well, not surely he does know that he can't do that. I think it went straight to the debate, and Alex Stewart was saying um, that potentially something something had been said about his father, who's in hospital in in South Africa, of course, and how unacceptable that would be. And everyone obviously was on the same page, and then it turned out he's called him Ginger, effectively, which I'm sure Ed, I'm sure Ben Stokes has been told Ginger quite a lot of times doesn't mean life. it's acceptable no not necessarily but what it it does surprise me somewhat that is the reaction that he's he's hand regardless of what emotions are going through him after getting out i don't know you know he's he's doing his job he's a professional sportsman he's like very recently just failed at the task he was trying to do i, I can i just can forgive him 
for seeing, you know, seeing the red mist, for want of a better phrase. I think I think it's fair oh, yeah. to say that we are not the media. We are not talk sport. We are not. We are not five live. We have just recently edged over three hundred and fifty Twitter followers, which is mainly through me following people. Yeah, uh, we follow so about six thousand. We're not exactly the man or the or the the print media, broadcast media. But I think it. I think the fact that we're talking about this is like the first thing. It's obviously amusing. It's an easy segue into the show. It's great. It's all the sort of to and fro that we require. But the only reason we're really talking about it is because it was all over the back pages of all of the major newspapers, or probably all the newspapers, for even though England had had, had a fantastic day uh, in the last test to look to wrap up a, a 3-1 series victory. And I just feel like it does annoy me that these things more and more come out as ways for columnists just to fill column inches and say how, oh, so-and-so, he's earned this much money, or they're a, they're a role model to the people of today and, and so on. But it's like, why should we expect any better of just they're normal people you're in the heat of the moment we had exactly the same we'll come back to uh Rabada and and butler's incidents as well in that it's in the heat of the moment everyone swears but mo- everyone you swears all down the time. south very much have you? so so, uh, so why does it why does it uh, matter that ben stokes has done it when like it's in a way it's partly the broadcaster's responsibility to not pick up on every single little thing because it's their problem if they broadcast it Fair point, well made. I don't know. There's been a little bit made of the fact that Supersport decided not to um, over-egg Vernon Philander's send-off to Josh Butler, an awful lot for which he got the most pointless demerit time, uh, demerit point in the history of the game, considering he's retiring at the end of the test. Um, and whether South African uh, broadcasters decided to, I don't know, display Stokes acting in an unfavourable manner uh, is true. I don't know. But like, like, generally, they've been... Three, three major and major they're not major they're completely meaningless three incidents which have sort of drawn an attention to this like behavior of, of cricket players and as i said like in the heat of the moment if you're out playing saturday league football not everyone's uh, kind of sliding around the pitch at three miles an hour into people's ankles going oh jolly good show good man are, are you all right or like it, it's, no no it but it, I doesn't, think... it doesn't work like that no, so I, th- I don't know why we expect cricketers who will be highly strung in a, in in the moment to be exactly well behaved as we would expect and i i do agree and obviously there is an emotion there but like ben stokes is one of the most sought after famous cricketers in the world at the moment he has a camera shoved in his face almost 24 7 of all things to rile him getting told that you look like ed sheeran isn't something that you can really have that response to and he should be biting his tongue and if i was a father of a young child and, I, and my young child saw the way that he reacted I'd be pretty disappointed, and I, I don't know. It, as I say, for all the things to to rile him, that's uh, he's going to get a lot worse than that. that and, 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 and the Butler one was poor as well. Uh, it, 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 was, <laughs> yeah. it was it was it was a lot more sort of harsh directly to Philander. But like that is cricket. That it, is it, it, that that that's cricket. Quite like inherently weird blokes who spend all day like wearing a helmet, telling someone else that they uh, need to eat less pork pies or have a few less fries or whatever Vernon Philander gets gets into. Telling them that they're not achieving enough in life while getting a hard red thing thrown at their head—it's just a weird thing, isn't it? Cricket. Yeah, well, it's just it's just cricket, isn't it? But uh, at the time of recording, England looked well on their way to recording a three-one series victory, barring 
a, let's face it, a miraculous South African fight back. So we were originally going to record one show today, but we were like, mm, this, we know where this game's going. So we can pretty confidently assess how the series has gone for England, assuming that it will be a 3-1 series victory because South Africa need like 450 plus to win this test match. And if they do, fair play to them. And it will make all our analysis completely meaningless because it will mean that the series hasn't been an enormous success for England. But generally, it's been a, a big turnaround from where England were at after the first test at Centurion, isn't it? Yeah, I would say so, but that was only because the first test at Centurion was, like, cataclysmically awful. Granted, like, the performances since have been great, but if you'd had said prior to the start of the series that England wouldn't win and in at least one test match win comfortably, given that South Africa's uh, leadership structure has essentially just evaporated in the last however many months and they got beaten by a completely hopeless Sri Lanka at home the last time they played test series <coughs> in South Africa, um, I think you'd be quite disappointed. So, yes, England have been very good. South Africa have been very bad. Um <laughs> Do you think? I, do you I, think don't, I don't think they have been very good. I think. Yeah. I mean, the whole series, the first test, a, a very, very just odd test because South Africa were like on the deck and suddenly sort of got up Tyson Fury esque, Undertaker esque, and like won a game quite easily, in terms of on the deck administratively. And but England were all ill. Like everyone was just dropping their left, right, and centre with like toy bugs. So you could never really judge. The performance when half the players were ill and after their first team I'm sure it's were like out. more than a tummy bug. Well, what are you going to describe it as? All got a headache. V- vomiting, <laughs> diarrhea, uh, endless, endless fecal mess whenever they go to the bathroom. You, you, what do you want? What do you want me to describe? No, it a as? tummy bug is like, oh, I don't fancy cricket today. Don't fancy no, they've not now. gone off. Tummy they've, bug. They've not, it's not like they've not gone off cricket like it's gluten. Right. Anyone else question? Uh, but yeah, it started off as such a nightmare series, but it's really righted itself and properly good start for Chris Silverwood, uh, to be honest, isn't it, Ollie? Yeah, it is, and I think he has sort of uh, rubber-stamped his style of play, if you like, in terms of trying to build a platform from the from the top. It's not um, rocket science, pretty much what everyone said he needed to do, and he seems to have done it, I suppose. I think there is merit in the argument that having quite a number of players in the side who have not fighting for their place, but needing to stake a claim helps him in a way because people have or players have had to put their hand up and say, Look, I really want this position. It's, you know, we've had Sibley, we've had Crawley since he's come into opening the batting. It's happened to Pope. Root's captaincy was questioned coming into the series. So a number of players were under a little bit of pressure and it sort of made them need to stand up for themselves as well as Chris Silverwood's uh, coaching tenure. Yeah, I, I think at the start of the series, if you were looking down that batting order and bowling lineup, Root was probably the only one with a nailed-on position in that side. Stokes as well, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Obviously, <laughs> cricketer of the year. The two two players that had their positions nailed down. Mm. And even like Broad was getting questioned as to, mm. his, as to his quality. He's bowled pretty well this series, but pretty well. Not, not set the world alight, but it seems as though probably another three spots have been filled in terms of what, who we definitely know will be in there. And that's Pope has made the number six spot for the foreseeable future, his domain. And England, by the looks of it, now have three openers to choose from for two spots. It's, they're like buses, aren't they? Sure, surely, surely Crawley's going to go to three and uh, yeah. and Denley out, wouldn't you say, Max? Yeah, uh, yeah, I would, I would completely agree. I thought Joe Denley. I'm, a, I'm very much a carry, a card carrying member of the Joe Denley party. How, how um, many, how many sort of attend, uh, how many attend the party <laughs> AGMs? And I general think more than you think. 
Oh, it, I mean, it's actually a very Brexit sort of centric Kentish uh, sort of demographic. Um, it, they they really do get quite rowdy. Um, but uh, no, big Joe night Di- out no. in Canterbury. Yeah, yeah, it kicks off. Trust me, it kicks off. Um, now, Joe Denley, I, going into this series, the argument definitely could have been made that and, and was repeatedly made that sure he hasn't got a hundred, but actually he contributes to a sort of stoic. Um, start of England's innings that enables the flourishing stroke makers to play their flourishing stroke making charts. Therefore, he needs to stay in the side, especially because there's no one that's really knocking on the door. The Crawley, the, the Crawley discovery emergence, call it what you like, really creates a problem for him if he doesn't score 100 in Sri Lanka. He, he needs to score runs on that tour. Otherwise, I think he's... I think they will. I think, I think there is always something to take into account when England win a series. And even if your position is slightly on the line, if you win the series, there's not like trouble at Mill generally where you're just trying to shuffle stuff out and see what happens. And you, you're more willing to allow a, a player an extra mm. series to see how they get on. But yeah, there's probably <laughs> six spots now, or f- five or six, rather than just perhaps two spots, which we know exactly what's going on with. And I think what this series also shown is that without Jimmy, who you would have probably described as England's best bowler, without Jimmy... It's been pretty clear to see that the bowling options are there and it's quite refreshing, even if they're not all world-class, to have a load of players which, if one gets injured, one can just step in. Yeah, I think, I wouldn't say it was a blessing in disguise necessarily, but Jimmy not playing in the Ashes forced England's hand a little bit in that they came to the realisation that he wasn't going to be around uh, forever. Um, obviously, Archer came in and, and played pretty well in the Ashes. Now he's out a little bit. So the fact that we haven't got a consistent set of four or five seamers to rely on necessarily with Broad, you know, in his closing few test matches, you'd, you'd expect, means that we've had to look elsewhere. And I think that can only be a good thing for England in that they are looking at what options are laid out before them. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I, Chris Wokes, obviously playing in this Test match, is is the does the best Jimmy Anderson sort of tribute act impression. <laughs> um, what not being able to bat? Yeah, no, but just I, th- I think England. Look, England's wealth of seam bowling is something really that that I didn't hugely see coming, and perhaps I should have done, given that the names that are knocking around are the same names that have been around since the summer, but. Um, Assuming everyone was fit, I mean, Sri Lanka is going to be an interesting experience because, I mean, and, did Anderson play in the last series there? Did he feel? Yeah, I think he's described himself as a spare part, and mm. we played three spinners. And he's and falling apart, isn't he? There's, there's going to be a lot of spare parts of Jimmy Anderson. Well, he's definitely, he's definitely out of Sri Lanka, house. isn't it? But yeah, yeah, he won't be. Yeah, he'll be out of Sri Lanka, but it will be. I guess the selectors can park the uh, Seema conundrum that will surely sort of rear its head again by the time the English summer comes round, given that the conditions will, you know, be in no way conducive to um, conducive to uh, seam-up bowling. That said, and now we're going to talk about Mark Wood, I think Mark Wood, for Christ's sake, just wrap him in all of the protective things that we have, um, because we're really going to need him out in, in Sri Lanka for sure. What What's that battle like between Wood and, and Archer? Because they won't, both won't, won't both be playing come the summer, would you expect? No, I I agree. Well, you wouldn't think so because yeah, they would occupy the same role. You'd think. Although I think Archer sees himself as more of a skillful, a, a more skillful bowler than just a Pace. sprint up and dig, mm. yeah, exactly, dig it in halfway down and terrify the batsman sort of bowler. Um, I I, th- I, th- I think a lot of the the debate is like, 
oh Archer's not Archer's not playing it's like it, it, it's good that we're in this situation it's good that we have a player like Wood and a player like Archer who can sort of come in and out because Archer plays a lot of cricket and played a lot of cricket over the summer and like you said Archer sees himself as more of a skillful bowler than Wood but when you've got potentially you've got Ben Stokes, Broad, Wokes, Wood, Archer, <clears throat> and potentially Jimmy, all the seamers, then it, it makes this whole debate about, oh, Archer isn't getting much cricket time, uh, makes a lot cricket more sense. Cricket time. Get, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cricket time. Cricket time. It's, uh, it's like, it's like, it's like uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Play time. Is it like video time? No, I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, it, it makes it makes the whole debate a little bit sort of meaningless because it's just like, well, we've got a lot of decent players and none of them are like world class at the moment, but they're all pretty good. Yeah, and I don't know what it is within Joffrey Archer that's preventing him from being able to bowl 90 plus mile an hour all the time. But hopefully there being a wealth of options and us not needing necessarily to rely on him is going to make him stand up and go, right, well, I better put my all in to get selected then. Can you imagine if he had a big run-up, how quick he would bowl if he had a bigger run-up? I reckon you were looking at 105 plus. <laughs> because he just like saunters in off two steps and like wazzes it. So is Mark Wood to be fair. Oh, I say, he doesn't saunter, but he comes in off yeah, about but he comes five in like, yards. He comes in like a train. <laughs> Joffre's just like sort of sidling up. And then he just like swing, slings it down at 90 odd miles an hour. He just, I, he's got a lot of limb, doesn't he? Joffrey, listen to me. I won, I won the uh, the Lost Ock ca- uh, Cricket Club in the Bolton League under 11's best bowler of the season. And I'm telling you that if you have a bigger run up, you'll get way more wickets than you do. And you'll nail down that place because you'll be getting at 100, 102. Miles an hour or wickets? Each per game. <laughs> right, well, I look forward to that. Thanks, coach. It's it's been an interesting series for England that certain spots are sort of deciding themselves, but others still aren't. We've touched on Denley at three, but the big sort of big question mark which has come up is that of Joss Butler. And I know Ollie is a big fan of Joss Butler, and there are other wicket keeping options out there. There's Johnny Bairstow, but in particular uh, Ben Folks. And there was a really good article from Ben Jones on Crickviz. Uh, yesterday it was talking about statistically what do the numbers say regarding wicket keepers and he sort of tempers this with both an ideological opinion in a way so folks in terms of its test matches that he's played because there's not the data from domestic matches he does he saves per test an estimated like seven runs beyond the average keeper and butler saves about two runs beyond the average keeper this is calculated through uh, catches that they've taken. Interestingly, Butler's not dropped a catch since he was recalled for England. So basically, if you're five runs ahead on average, you've got to expect to score an av- maybe an average of five runs extra as a batsman. Now, will folks necessarily do that? But Ben Jones also says that, in his eyes, a, a wicketkeeper is very much a vibe. It's a very vibe-oriented role. As Max, I'm sure you'll agree, as a, as a high-quality wicketkeeper yourself, that it's not just about how many catches you take, but it's also the aura and eminence that you put through the side. He's a, a Joss Butler is a very big part of that England dressing room, and he certainly lifts the side when it does be required. So, what do you, do you think that he should be just given a little bit of time out of the red ball side? Um, I yeah, I, I actually yeah, I really do. I, I think unfortunately this whole debate with Ollie's shaking his head a lot here had a um had had a good county season last year, which I don't believe he did. I think. The fact, cause, because Butler hadn't scored, Butler's averaged about 20-odd since 2018, since he got back into the side, so I believe. Ben Folks would have been knocking on the door if he'd have been scoring runs, I I, I would like to think. Um, 
He's but only it, averaged about 31 in the past two first-class seasons, Ben Fox. Uh, folks. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's not, you know, it's not numbers that demand selection. Um, from a purely wicket-keeping perspective, and I appreciate this is a, an archaic argument, but I, I like wicket-keepers that are good wicket-keepers. And Josh <laughs> Butler is an okay wicket-keeper, but I, as you just alluded to with that article, statistically, not as good as the likes of Folks. I mean, Folks is so languid. He's too tall to be a wicket-keeper, really, and yet... Just, just gloves it with just like bloody so handsome as well, isn't he? I don't know. I've, uh, not, I've not seen a picture of him. Never seen. Oh yeah. Do you do you want do you want a professional opinion from me? Yeah, please. I'll just oh, say yeah, him. Go on, Ollie. What's your no, what's your well, take? I mean, you mentioned that I was um, a Joss Butler fan. I'm not a massive Joss Butler fan as such, but there's just no other option, and I don't think necessarily like it's it's 2020. You don't have to be that good at wicket keeping to wicket keep in a test match. It is in you don't need a good wicket keeper. That sounds really bizarre, but put someone there who can catch the ball most of the time and stop the ball most of the time. And you just put in ten slips. It's basically and he'll a bat- get everything. It's a batsman who happens to be wearing some gloves when he goes out to field in in my opinion and I mean, so they, they do that is literally correct <laughs> that is cricket there's but, not much merit in the whole like folks is a better keeper argument the only reason you'd pick folks is if he's going to score more runs and yeah. there's very little data suggest to suggest that he would do so um and i don't like looking at scientific evidence because just butler's st- uh, statistics aren't very good but i still some part <laughs> I, don't, of I don't want to know the facts one some part of me is like oh he'll come good and i'm just sort of waiting for that to happen because he he looks quite good at batting until he gets out <laughs> until until he until he starts batting i can confirm that folks is a sexy looking man he's got <laughs> yeah. a far more impressive beard than uh, a mustache than rory burns does which just I, it, it's a bit creepy the, the, when Burns has his moustache. I don't really like it, but yeah, let's let's sub out Butler and bring in folks on a, on an aesthetic well, basis. Ollie on on the wiki keeping front, because and and I I, pre, I think you'll probably reach the same conclusion as me. I'm not sure because I I completely agree with what you're saying. It it really and truly is as nice as I would find it for selectors and the cricketing fraternity at large to agree that. You know, wicket keeping is some kind of specialist art, and we need to, you know, just make sure that it's it's the reserve of someone who really is a, is a you know highly competent wicket keeper. Um, w- could the argument not be made that given that actually in Test cricket you don't need that, as you said, that you could just give the gloves to in a few games' time to Ollie Pope and get a batsman in that that is in Nick and that can score more runs because Butler hasn't is clearly not working with the bat well he's got a top score of 106 um he's got a few 80s but not for a very long time he he looks completely devoid of confidence and his technique is pretty questionable when the ball goes sideways for a long time I think he's scored I think I think don't call me on this but I think he's only scored 150 in his past 20 innings right okay so strengthens the argument further could you not therefore say actually Give Pope, given that if you accept that wicket keeping in Test match cricket isn't, you know, the it isn't of paramount importance, mm. shall we just shall we just get another batter in? Let's just get rid of the wicket yes. keeper. Let's yes. just have yes. I think, slips behind him. I think, in all seriousness, yes is probably the answer to your question. I don't necessarily know if Pope is that man just because of how much pressure he might feel under. Yeah. within his batting at the moment but he is a I'm sure he will be a good enough wicketkeeper in maybe a couple of years time to fill that slot if there's no other wicketkeeper crying out to do it he kept through his whole sort of school career at, at Cranley and then sort of got picked as a Surrey youngster as a wicketkeeper batsman um, 
and I yeah I actually agree with your argument. Stick Dom Sibley there if it if it warrants it. But yeah, we don't necessarily need an out and out wicketkeeper. Right, thanks very much, lads. Our first round of shows again. Uh, so we don't have any of your emails so far. So please email your views, stories, and questions to us at bertiemores at gmail dot com. It's a very uh, it's a very self promotional email. I've seen a few emails on that. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting a lot of spam from that. Hopefully, but like don't just spam it but I don't think we're going to really have enough listeners for me to worry about my spam filter. So uh, if you do want to write for us also, write on the site, then please drop us a line and check out the website, www.wrongandcricket.com, and you see everything we've written. We've had about 12 different contributors so far, so we'll welcome anyone and everyone. Right, we'll be back right, right with you after a short break. Anton. Oh, wow, that is some shot. You won't see a better shot than that in the Big Bash this season. A ramp off a fellow bowling 142.9, 20 rows back. Right, welcome back to the Rongan, the South Africa recovery. It, I think it's still in pre-op phase, as it feels. They're not sort of hit the physio stage yet. And Ollie, you've you've had a lot of health problems over your time when it comes to your joints. You're sort of like a, a 65-year-old man in a, in a 22-year-old's body. How uh, do you think their recovery is 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 stagnating? Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily they their recovery sort of underway yet to be honest. Um it was a team <clears throat> a team, a nation in turmoil if you like before the series started, um, in terms of off field and on field issues and man for man they were a pretty average test side at the moment. So um I'm not necessarily an expert on the on the culture of South African cricket, but there's obviously something that needs to be done. I do think bringing Boucher and Smith into the setup as people who have experienced South Africa during their um, better days it can only be a good thing, I suppose. Yeah, the, um, the, the wrong end, Darcy Gross, has uh, has written up uh, a very well, a South African perspective to all the problems that have been going on in the background, if you don't know that much about them. But he's he's done a background to all the problems and all the administrative difficulties that they've had and people they've brought in. But I still think it will be a, a disappointing series and they've not... There have been sort of the odd potential moment, the first test in particular, where they look very good. But in the following three, the transition has sort of really stalled, hasn't it? And and Faf as a captain, he's in there in that transition period, but it doesn't look like he's going to be there for the next uh, next tour or, or next year, does it, Max? Uh, no, it certainly doesn't. I mean, he's he's bang out of Nick as well as a batter and has been for a very long time. Um, the great I think, I think great the looking bloke, though, I will say, <laughs> great looking bloke. <laughs> Great looking bloke, though, if we go and find that selection. Why is it all the straights who are just having comments <laughs> on, on how attractive everyone is? Well, I saw the diving catch he took today. He just, he oozes alphaisms. So a, a diving catch is one of those things that you look at and go, yeah, tap that. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, it's a box-ticking <laughs> scenario for God when it comes to people he this, wants to long-term this, settle down with. I'm sure, his, I'm sure his girlfriend just like loves taking stuff in the slips. He like wangs a tennis ball at her down the hallway. And she, she doesn't take it. That's, that's, that's a mark against George's name. the only analysis I can provide. Sorry, Max, you're saying? No, no. Um, I, I'm completely... Like, you know what it is? I'm, I'm now just thinking of uh, Faf Duplessis' sort of very interesting receding haircut slash long fringe. Um... <laughs> Which is which is excellent, but no, no. From a from a South African perspective, I think it's the man of the defeats that have really that have really um, that would really cut. Um, they've been obviously absolutely bat- they got battered at Newlands, and you would presume that they'll be smashed tomorrow. Um, the 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 appointment of um, of Boucher and Smith upstairs, it's got a bit of a Solskjaer feel to it. You know, I can just imagine like Boucher sitting in the dressing room, sort of saying to all the guys like, "We've got well, we've actually, got a counter attack, boys. We've got a counter punch." 
Yeah, like in the early mid two thousands, uh, we did this. So <laughs> yeah, I love this that. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point, actually. Um, I'll tell you what I did when I went out to uh, when I went to bat in Port Elizabeth in two thousand and six. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know when uh, you know when uh, Jimmy Anderson was actually a lot younger and fitter and better. What I did against him was uh, was the following. Still only um, he still only averaged thirty mark voucher over one hundred and forty nine tests. A lot of tests. Very good player, but it's it. It's no quitting to cock, is it? And a bail ended his test career, which is savage. It's sad, sad. Savage. One with a few yeah, yeah. bail-oriented injuries. I you suppose. want to be, yeah. You want to have the final say on that, don't you? But, but yeah, Faf has been operating in a difficult situation. But it, I think the main takeaway, just in watching the the series, seems to be that they they sort of just lack talent coming through, do think, don't they? Do you think Dubrovsky cares? He doesn't look like he cares. That's that's a bold claim. Like, I'm sure. It, wait, he's not fighting for anything, is he? Like he's coming to the end of his test career, probably. What? So you should just be remembered as a NAF captain and someone who ended on a terrible batting run. Not necessarily. Like that's he, your legacy. Go get a cold pack at Somerset. I, th- <laughs> I think he. I don't think he does care in the same way that he would have done five years ago if he was if he was captain of his nation. He and just that, doesn't want it. Yeah, so I, I'm glad you <laughs> glad you agree. <laughs> The, no, I, I the classic that. fans point. He just doesn't. He just doesn't want it. I want it. But those players, they they just don't want it he enough. Want it now. Quinton de Kock wants it. And admittedly, that's been something that all the commentators have been saying is that South Africa, more than any other side, they yeah. want it. It's a completely meaningless. Nokia wants it. He, he, he wants it. He's. They were saying today. He's the it. only one that wants it. He, he's the only one that wants to win games, which is very disappointing from a load of other professional cricketers. But like you look at and Rabada, Rabada, Rabada really wants it. No one. He's, he, he wants. Want, he wants it so much that he <laughs> will. He doesn't play because yeah. of his wanting it. But you look at like these guys now when they're taking wickets in the fourth test when the games are already gone and they're all like high five celebrating and Faf's having a good laugh. Sounds a bit like the Big Bash, really, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. Like, I, I just want to see you be a bit f- off. Like, you're getting trounced by an England side that's very recently been quite poor um, in your own backyard, and you're all just sort of high fives about it. Maybe there's, you know, more than it, more than meets the eye in terms of. I think it's a bit they're, reductive. I, well, I think in a, in a more place off off the field. In a more reductive way, I just think, aside from all the administrative problems, they clearly don't have a great stream of talent coming through at the moment do they i mean bavuma back in the side scored one test century in a mere 40 tests i'll go back to what i said uh, on the last podcast though it's a selector's job to recognize talent and I, they're, they're all the debutants that have appeared this season uh this series sorry have are i think the minimum age was about 28 or 27 or something like that they rely on people who have made a number of yeah, appearances Peterson, Milan. in within domestic cricket surely there's a a need or a requirement for them to recognise talent, young talent, and give them an opportunity. And like, that, and, that's pati- and that's particularly in the case with South Africa because they all go off on coal packs. Like they've been talking about mm. how good their bowling lineup could be or their their test side could be if they weren't all playing county cricket in England with a with a strong pound. Yeah, and that and that as I say, that's that says far more about South African cricket culturally and off the field than it than it does about any potential talent they have, I suppose. Um, and we're not necessarily South African culture experts, but um, but yeah, they're in dire straits, just so you know. Yeah, I think, uh, Ollie, you probably want to say a couple of words on the end of the career of Vernon Philander. And it's probably, it's finished on a little bit of a of a bum, mote, uh, bum note, given that they've lost 3-1 at home and then were also batted by India and batted by South Africa. So recent results haven't been fantastic. And he's injured now. He got injured. In this. He's offered an awful lot to this test side over over the past seven or eight years, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he, he bowls at about 65 miles an hour 
in the same place all the time. And you can really identify with that. And gets everyone out. He's, he's genius. Like, why can't we make more people in international cricket who just put the ball on the same place outside off stump all the time and get more wickets? He, he's, he's simple but unbelievably effective. Um, yeah, very skillful bowler and, you know, puts um, right to the claim that, you know, you have to be in good shape to been international cricketer oh, yes. <laughs> I, I was He's expecting it, it was, it was a nice eulogy it's, it's just not in great shape though it just gives hope to all all the village players around around the world uh, I might make it to final first team one, one day if I, uh, if I work hard enough how important is it as a uh, as a bowler to be able to hit the right spot every time we might have listeners who are, don't play an awful lot of, lot of cricket why is he so hard to face and why is he so successful uh, I think in, in short because he he, he he hits a length that you neither want to go forward to nor back to and he hits it five balls out of six if not six balls out of six and he sort of he doesn't swing the ball a lot does he but he swings it enough that you feel like you need to play and invariably you'll, you'll nick off to him I mean you, you hear bowlers or you hear, I think it was Sean Pollock talking on commentary saying that actually Flanders not as dangerous when he's got a new rock in his hand and it's literally swinging round corners because it swings so much that actually no one can get a glove on it or no one can get a bat on it yeah um but uh no he's a he's a fantastic he's a fantastic player and also he was he's one of those guys that's always been really good in England because of the way he's he's bowled so I feel like English cricket fans have actually seen a lot of the best of Philander Mm. um and he's gonna absolutely tear it up in county cricket Jesus Christ Darren Stevens Um, take two Chris Rushworth yeah, take exactly. two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I will say one thing on South Africa. What do you guys think of Rassi van der Dusen's gum to teeth ratio? <laughs> oh, it's, 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 uh, I wasn't expecting that, but it's strong. Strong, strong, is, strong is the phrase, yeah. Because that boy has got gums for f- days. Honestly, like, they are... Gee, yeah, man. I, I presume you never played hockey or rugby because you're not getting a gum shield for that, for sure. <laughs> do you think, like, uh, do you think he's just sort of on a, like, a... On melted two gum shields A, a, a liquid-only diet, sort of, maybe uh, malt loaf at a push, but mainly oriented around uh, porridge, smoothies. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Lentil dal. Better be the big dal fan. Against, uh, against England at Cape Town. And, like, uh, Quentin de Kopp, like, jumped at him. And you just saw this, like, beaming grin. And it was, like, 75% gum. It just blew my mind. It just blew my mind. I, just, I had to get that in. Um, <laughs> I don't know how, how we've gone from eulogising Fernand Philander to that. Uh, but I do think Fernand Philander is... is I worry it's, it's, potentially, like. it's potentially far, far cleverer. Strong dental health. Potentially far cleverer than people give him credit for as well. He's one of those bowlers that thinks about a bat... Because if I was batting at the Philander, weird situation to be in, admittedly, uh, I would think, right, well, I'll just step across to fifth stump and play yeah. him as if he was bowling on my legs, but he's he knows that when and how... Oh, yeah, when batsmen are going to do that and can mitigate against that, so is able to anticipate against that problem. So, yeah, extremely skillful bowler, and he'll, uh, he'll rip it up at Tordson. Excellent. And on that note, here's who's at. Right, let's have a game. Do play along if you can get any of the answers. Uh, and it's simple. I read out a series of clues to a cricketer, past or present, and you guess who it is. Easy. Uh, Ollie, your buzzer goes. Big ball. Max, your buzzer goes. Good strike. Excellent. Right. First clue. I was born on the 17th of November, 1986. Good strike. <laughs> Stuart Broad. It is not Stuart Broad. Big ball! Genuinely thought it was. Rassi van der Dusen. Uh, the gum king himself. <laughs> Unfortunately not. 
Okay. To be fair, Verassi, if you just looked at his mouth, you'd think they're, Carry they're, on. they're the gums of a much older man. <laughs> Carry on. I am one metre 74. It's not Stuart Broad, then. 74 what? Is, is centimeters. That, short? that sounds short. That's just under six foot, isn't it? It's about oh, is his it? average height, isn't it? It's about 5'10". Yeah. Oh, okay. I have played for 12 teams across my career. I have played 280 professional T20s, scoring 8,740 runs. Big ball! Dwayne Bravo. No, I thought you were going to go Dwayne Leverock. That would have been a huge <laughs> shout. I have played five test matches all in the same year. Good strike! Uh, nah, definitely. I was about to say Rashid Khan, but I don't think you've played any test nope. matches. No, he was, and he's also not 33. <laughs> he's 21 years old. Shot. Nah, but he looks 33. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, he's not 21 years old. I can be described as a solidly built batsman from the country town of Kalak in southwest Victoria. Ooh. Oh. I've forgotten half the other clues now. Uh, uh, good strike. Chris Lynn? No, not Chris Lynn, but decent guess. That's not a clue to who it is, by the way. In July 2018, I became the first player in T20 Internationals to reach the 900 rating mark. Big ball! Till T20i rankings. Is it Glenn Maxwell? Ooh. Nah, it's not 33. It's not Glenn Maxwell. I'm the fastest yeah. Australian to reach 10 ODI centuries. Who on earth is this? We're going to be kicking that. I'm going to be kicking myself. Um. Nah, move on, I had no idea. I hit 109 the other day for the Sydney Sixers. Uh, oh. uh, I know I said on a previous pod that I watched the Big Bash, but I, I mean, I don't watch it that much. Um, he's even got beat. Big ball! I'll take advantage of it. Oh, we got him. No, it's, it's not Stoinis, is it? He plays for Renegades. It's not Marcus oh, Stoinis. Look, stop swearing. I have to bleep these out. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Right, right. Your incompetence in a quiz is your own doing. Final clue. I first captained Australia in T20s in 2014. Good strike! Nah, it's not him. I was about to say Shane Watson, but it's not. Right, is that the final clue? That is the right, final let me, clue. Let me have a think about And this. if you don't get it, I win. So he's, so he's, he's scored 109. Is he, is he, can you give us... If we ask questions, can you give us clues? Do you know enough about him? <laughs> no, I wrote <laughs> 10 clues, thinking that one of them you'd be able 109 to... 109 for the... He scored, he's, he's, he's captained Australia in T20. Oh, big ball! Holy God. Uh, Finch. Yes, it is Aaron Finch, finally. Ah, shot. Yeah. There we go, another expletive. Well, a, fairly, a far more expletive uh, ridden show than our first time out. Thank you very much I'm for listening. Sorry to that all the listeners. That is the end of the Rongan this week. Uh, we'll be back for the T20 series between England and South Africa, potentially. Uh, do make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Rongan Cricket and check out the website www.rongancricket.com. Say goodbye, Max. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Ollie. Goodbye. And goodbye for myself. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>